0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Awareness to Action the Enneagram podcast. I'm Mario Sakura, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Maria Jose Monita and Seth Creekmore. Uh, this is a podcast where we're going to be talking about, well, just what the title says, the Awareness to Action Approach to the Enneagram, a model of personality styles that's pretty unique to the work that we do. Uh, before we get going, I want to uh, bring my co-hosts into this. First of all, Maria Jose, how are you? Why don't
1: you say hi?
2: Hi. <laughs> well done. Okay, enough from you.
1: Uh, High performers Seth
2: in this group right here. High performers.
1: Hi, good to see you, Mario and Creek. It's so much fun to be here, and I'm looking forward to what's going to come out of these podcast.
2: Creek. Hello, hello. I am I'm Creek, uh, aka Seth Creekmore, but I have too many Seths in my life, so I had to be different. And went with Creek. So um happy to be here with both of you. I, I love the, the variation of location and age and background. It's gonna be it's gonna be lots of different uh, perspectives here. It's gonna be fun.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I used Great. to be
1: the one mocking the older people in the room. Mocking. No. Oh, I'm not <laughs> mocking. You're just, just no, noticing. No. I hand it over to you, Creek.
2: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So- <laughs>
0: So, uh, be- before we get back to the mockery of, uh, of the agent, um, uh, what we're trying to accomplish here, because, you know, we- we've talked about doing this, and on the one hand, what the-, the last thing the world needs, it seems, is another Enneagram podcast. By the way, uh, Creek is also one of the hosts of the Fathoms podcast, uh, and if our listener has not heard Fathoms yet, I we highly recommend it, so go on over and give them a listen. But, Uh, We we thought we had some unique things to say. In particular, uh, we do bring a diversity to thinking about this topic. Also, we're coming at it from a particular angle, and each of us have come to the enneagram in different ways and work with it in different arenas and different ways, uh, and are very different people. But. Uh, we have a shared approach to things uh, that Maria Jose and I have been teaching for quite a long time and that uh, Creek has been studying recently. So we're going to uh, talk about the awareness to action approach to the Enneagram and mm-hmm. come at things from that angle. So uh, happy to, to be here with you guys, happy to, to uh, have this um, opportunity to share our point of view about things when it comes to the Enneagram. So, so let me ask you guys, uh, uh, you know, why did you guys want to do this podcast?
2: Well, I think for me, it's, uh, and I've expressed this to you all as well, is uh, through learning your approach. So many of the Enneagram resources, resources out there are, they use mostly Rizzo Hudson, like the Enneagram Institute stuff or some narrative tradition or other other approaches, but it's mostly, mostly those two. And I had a hard time finding some really easily accessible content to send to people when it comes to awareness to action approach. Um, it's out there, but it's not as easily accessible as podcasts. So being that it is, this is, this is my, this is my area of expertise in podcasting. And I, I consume podcasts that of high rate of speed it, this is just this this is really just a selfish endeavor for me um, so i don't have to do the work of explaining your approach to people so <laughs> yeah. yeah that's that's what this is about for me <laughs> yeah well we've always felt that we
0: should try to be as obscure as possible you've and done a great to, you know, job make, make yeah make it difficult for <laughs> the best people
1: to kept secret yes
0: yeah all
1: right uh, how about you Mario then? To be honest, this is very selfish as well. I like to (laughs) hang out with you, the two of you, and to talk about several things, including the Enneagram. And then we thought, okay, so what what is it that we could talk about and that we need to talk about or would be useful to discuss in a podcast? And if it were another topic, I would do it happily as well. But I think that, as Craig says, it's a way to get our approach to the enneagram out there through um, a vehicle that it's fun to do, and I think that it's easy to to consume because just today I think podcasts are a really useful solution for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I've always felt that the best podcasts are sound like a conversation that I would like to be part of and informative at the same time right so and uh, you know we do hope to inform people with this to to share our point of view on the Enneagram and again there's lots of literature on the Enneagram out there very different th- today than when I first started working with the Enneagram right I mean there were a handful of books this was back in the 1940s and uh, you know there were a handful of books out there uh, I'm exaggerating but it was the mid-90s and um a handful of books, podcasts weren't a thing, the internet wasn't even really a thing. Uh, so in order to find out about the Enneagram, you really had to work hard. Uh, today, you know, you can Google Enneagram and have an endless supply of
2: content. So, what I'm um, hearing is you had to walk uphill both ways in the snow. That's to exactly right, that, 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 <laughs> yeah, barefoot. Got
0: that's it. exactly yeah. right. And, <laughs> and I was happy about it, okay. <laughs> I didn't whine, and you know,
2: so uh,
0: <laughs> but, um you know, but we, we do want to educate because we do have particular approach to things, and that approach has been sort of hard-earned and developed for a reason. Not just because we wanted to come up with a new theory of the Enneagram, but because we ran into some particular challenges in the application of the Enneagram. So we want to share that information, but we also want to have fun and we want to discuss it and we want to explore as we're going here. One of the nice things about this group is that, you know, Maria Jose is a woman from South America. Uh, Creek is a where are you from, Creek? You know, somewhere in the Midwest, flyover <laughs> country. I don't know. Oh, all
2: wow. Okay. Indiana. I'm in Indiana,
0: <laughs> near South Bend. There you go. Perfectly wonderful place. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, we do range in age. I'm old enough to be Creek's grandfather. So, um, <laughs> okay. you know, so <laughs> so, um, so um, we want to leverage that in our exploration. Okay. So go and, ahead, Maria. And same.
1: the other interesting thing, I believe, it's that. Our approach has also evolved. It's not like the approach, it's continuously growing and deepening and developing applications. And I think that we need some some way to share it, that it's live. Because we write something or we create something and then it's not enough because it keeps expanding.
0: Just for uh, for listeners to understand, uh, Maria Jose and I have been working together for what? How long years. now, Maria 12 years, okay. Yeah. To Maria point, our point of view does change uh, over time, right? As we get new data, we get new information, we change our minds. And uh, that can kind of drive some people crazy. Uh, but, uh, you know, in my mind, it shows a uh, an intellectual integrity to challenge our own ideas and refine our ideas as we go. So this yeah. conversation will be part of that ongoing exploration, I, I think.
2: And I think this is a great way to segue into... Kind of our own origin stories a little bit, just so our listeners can get to know us a, a wee bit. So let's Mario, let's start with you, and then just kind of go through the progression of you to Maria Jose, and then I can share I can share mine as sure. we're kind of getting to know the awareness to action approach. I'm not quite as old as I've made
0: myself out to be here, but I was introduced to the Enneagram in 1994, and uh, I was familiar with a number of different personality models, you know, prior to that, Myers-Briggs disc, those sort of things. But the Enneagram really struck me, right? I immediately fell in love with it. Um, I'm one of those people who immediately saw myself in one of Don Riso's early books and uh, saw myself as a type eight and became absorbed. Uh, I had never come across a model that described me or the people that I knew as well as this did so i became a little bit of obsessed as many people do with the enneagram a few years later i moved into uh, from a career in publishing into uh, executive coaching and consulting and immediately saw that the enneagram was a tremendously powerful tool uh, in that space downside however is that the enneagram particularly at the time was you know it's much was originally much more of a psycho spiritual system. The literature that existed was either a little too spiritual or a little too psychological for the people that I was working with. But I'll also say that I started to feel was a little bit too theoretical. And as I started using what I had learned from a number of really talented Enneagram teachers, when I started applying it in the crucible of the business world, I uh, started to see that some of the ideas just didn't hold up as well as I needed them to. And some of the concepts didn't hold up as well. So it became my mission in life to find a way to present the Enneagram in a way that was simple, clear, direct, and accurate without losing the depth of the system.
2: And that has been my work ever since. So one more, one more question for you, Mario, is you have a background of not only philosophy but also you went to seminary as well and so this is kind of just learning the nature of humanity has kind of been a a focus of yours for a while what really convinced you that the enneagram was the thing that you wanted to focus your life on
0: so yes to your
2: point um out of high school i went to uh seminary for a couple
0: of years um after that you know, studied, uh, my degree was in liberal studies, which meant it was primarily um, literature and philosophy uh, was the bulk of my coursework. And I have always been interested in human nature of these so-called bigger questions that, uh, you know, some would refer to as spirituality. At the same time, I tend to be pretty pragmatic and results-oriented and business-minded in my approach to the world. So I've worked to sort of combine those yin and yang sort of points of view about things, right? The uh, uh, the humanities and the practical. And so for me, the Enneagram became the tool because nothing else was able to blend these two things mm-hmm. in a way that I had seen before, right? How can we truly, deeply understand ourselves and other people, and then use that understanding to make real change in our world. And quite frankly, I think that last piece is one of the things that was missing in the Enneagram early on. Right. Okay. I know these types. What do I do about it? Right. Uh, Some of the literature was, you know, well, just stop being like this type and being like that one instead. Uh, It's not that easy. And that's not what the work is. So for me, it's been about how do we take these profound ideas and profound insights and turn them into real results. What was your first
2: memory of meeting Maria Jose? I don't know that I have one. Um, (laughs) So, no,
0: I'll I'll tell the story that's really going to irritate her. And, you you know, it's a little kind of, you know, joke that we have going back and forth. So, I first met Maria Jose at an IEA conference. Uh, Maria Jose, what was it, in Las Vegas? Um, What year was that? Do you remember?
1: 2009.
0: Yeah, so 2009, I was on the board of directors of the IEA. I think I was president-elect at the time. And um, there was a meeting of the international affiliates and prior to the conference, and, and Maria Jose was there. And she used her uh, attendance there to sort of muscle her way onto the <laughs> IEA board of directors. Um, and so we got to know each other when we both served as uh, on the IEA board. So go ahead, Maria Jose, I can <laughs> see you. You know, gnashing uh, your teeth
1: there. Look, we know we're we're all different. We see things differently, and that's your <laughs> recollection of that, uh, that of those events, and that's fine. That's...
2: <laughs> uh, well, Maria Jose. Feel free to counter with your uh, with your first memory of meeting Mario.
1: It was at that meeting. To me, there was these table with all the board members, uh, they all looked very foreign to me. Uh, I was just arriving from the airport to Las Vegas and I saw all these people and they were supposed to be all really smart, <laughs> great people, uh, evolved, I mean, they were board members of the I. They should IA.
2: be floating five inches off the yes, ground. yes, <laughs> yeah. yes.
1: I was very excited to be there. And they announced that they would select someone from the attendance, from the different affiliates to become a board member. This was the first time this was happening. And I started looking around, looking for good candidates. And my candidate was someone from, fin- from Finland. And I tried to convince her to become the person who would join the board. And I was kind of rallying people so that they would vote for her. Something happened in the, along the way, and I became a board member.
0: It's kind of like how Dick Cheney became vice <laughs> president. You know, he said, sure, George, I'd be happy to lead the search for vice president. And, uh, you know, <laughs> none of these folks are working out. No, I'm, all, I'm oh, only teasing. Okay. Well, it, that's obviously. what I
1: did when I became president of the IA. <laughs> <I was> <laughs> 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 anyway, so that's my side of the story. So, how
0: about, Maria Jose, t- tell us about your introduction to the Enneagram
1: and uh, sure. your path. Sure. So, the first time I heard about the Enneagram was also around the mid-90s. I used to attend some workshops with somebody who went through Mario's, I mean, through the same training that Mario went through. She came back to Chile and started teaching the Enneagram, amongst other things. And it didn't make a big impression on me. I think it was because I took a, an assessment and I came out as a seven. <laughs> I didn't resonate <laughs> with that a lot.
2: Really? Yes, huh?
1: I did, believe it or not. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm wondering why I didn't make an impression. And I think it's because of that. Hmm. And But my parents uh, went through longer trainings and we had Indian books at home. So it was a thing for years that was there, but I didn't pay much attention to. Years later, I was working in the corporate world and decided to take another training with the same woman. And then, for other reasons, I decided to become a coach and consultant. And when I made that decision, I decided that the Enneagram could probably be a very good tool for me as a coach. So I went to the States and went to the Enneagram Institute and studied with them. Then I studied... I mean, several trainings, like I went there for two years. And then in one of these trainings, I met someone who said, you know, I talked to this guy the other day. He has this weird theory about the instincts. And can you believe that? And he says this and that. So we started talking about this guy who had this theory about the instincts or these different ideas and that there was... No stacking, that there was a particular order of the instincts. and So that was my first, the first time I heard about it, Mario. Then when I joined the board of directors in mid 2009, and then when I went to the first board meeting in the beginning of 2010, I met him and I said, Oh, so you're the one. I didn't <laughs> know that he was the one, you know, I didn't have the name and the story together in my mind. And we started talking. I very quickly started studying with him virtually and then in person in Denver, I think was the first time with you and your co-author, Bob Talon. And from then on, we started collaborating. I realized that to me at that point, I saw it as the missing piece in terms of how do I translate what I already know into something that it's easy to digest for people, but also useful and applicable. So I started combining what I knew and his approach. And then I started realizing that it wasn't even necessary, that of course we bring what we bring and what I already knew about the Enneagram is still there. But I realized, I noticed that with that approach, it was just so much easier for me to teach it, to use it, and to um, yeah share it with other people.
2: What was the one part of Mario's system that you found the hardest to accept or agree with?
1: I thought your question was, Going to be different when you started. Um, some, I, What's well, the
0: worst part of working with Mario? No, no, was, yeah, no, yeah, I'll was answer
1: what I thought was coming later, anyway. <laughs> but the hardest, I think, it was for me this pattern of expression. Not harder, but it was the most different. Mm. So I took it as a hypothesis to be tested. And
2: just for those that are new to this, what is the pattern of expression, real quick?
1: So, for example, if I'm a navigator, what would we believe is that there's only one way in which the three instinctual biases express. So if I'm a navigator then the secondary domain is would be transmitting and the third or tertiary domain would be uh, preserving. So I couldn't be navigating preserving, transmitting. It's just one way in which they manifest. It's not a stacking, but it's kind of Mm -hmm. different profiles. So there are basically three kinds of people, Mm -hmm. preservers, navigators, and transmitters, and the order or the pattern in which the other two express, it's only one, only one way, three combinations.
0: Yeah. And and, and if I could just add to that, right? So, uh, uh, okay, sorry. (laughs) So, uh, first of all, most people talk about self-preservation, social and either sexual or one-to-one, Um, for a variety of reasons that we'll get into in future episodes. We call them preserving, navigating, and transmitting. And this is something that a lot of people seem to have a difficult time with in what I teach. But I, I think we really have to step outside and see something different, right, in that this idea that there's a stack is kind of problematic, right, because it takes these three things and treats them independently and disconnectedly. And people start to see, okay, well, there are six potential variations, you know, three times, uh, three times two, whatever. Uh, Whereas what we're suggesting is that, like Maria Jose said, there's only three variations of people here, right? And these things express themselves in a particular way in each of those people, right? Mm. That is, and, and, you know, again, not everybody buys that. Uh, Other people, you know, see it differently, but it is our experience that that's, how it works in the real world. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. And what I did was take it, as I said, as a hypothesis and look around, see if it made sense to me in terms of like what I saw in people, and it did. Mm-hmm. It took a while. I wanted to not just repeat the things that were taught to me. Mm-hmm. And and that's how I take the Enneagram and anything else. And uh, this was the most challenging, and I did that. But there was something even more challenging, I think. And it was not necessarily related to the Enneagram, but how this approach sees the world and how uh, skepticism is such a big part and how we take ideas and challenge them. And I had a lot of ideas in my mind to be challenged. And that took a while as well. Mm. But now I enjoy it. So that was hard, but I would say that it's one of the things that I like the most about the way, in, in the way that we see things.
2: Well, I guess I'll introduce myself Yeah, uh, yeah a little do. bit more. What's your origin story here? So. How did you become a superhero? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, sorry, wrong my podcast. parents died okay. when I was six <laughs> and <laughs> classic. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. So. I I do a podcast, Fathoms and Enneagram podcast. Some of you may f- be familiar with it. Maybe not. Probably not. But um, they should be. I should highly be. recommend it, yeah. I, especially the I episodes I was on. Yeah. <laughs> right, the only ones <laughs> worth listening to. So I do I do this podcast with two other guys, Seth Abram and Drew Mosier. Uh, wonderful people in their own right. Absolutely. So Seth and I, we both play music, and uh, one time we were we were doing a a show together and he brought up this thing that he had been learning the Enneagram is this really short questionnaire I think it was like six different questions and it it nailed me as a four looking back and like reading through that that first that first uh questionnaire and reading it's like it's it's a little inaccurate but it still got me and so that's kind of that's when it kind of dawned on me, but I it didn't, I didn't really take it seriously. Uh, I've, I've always had a deep interest in self-improvement and understanding how I work and how others work. And so then eventually uh, it just kept popping up here or there. And then Seth, uh, the other Seth got really into it and would not shut up about it. So I was kind of forced to learn by proxy and then I'm like, actually, this is kind of interesting. Um, and, and we started attending conferences together and other teachings. Uh, we got, we went to IEA Georgia with Linda Roberts and Nan Henson, and um, did some work down there with them. And that's kind of what started my interest in it. Uh, and then we, then I met Drew. Drew and Seth have been friends for a long time, and we decided to start this podcast. And kind of through that is. How I became more aware of awareness to action. Uh, Mario has been on th- two, three times, something like that. Uh, I think twice, but the first time I talked so much, you had to make it two episodes. <laughs> yes. so it's, it's,
0: it's... <laughs> yeah. It's and you great. were
1: really present in the last episode. So yeah. <laughs> it's like you're. Well, this is true. Yeah, I've, I've made <laughs> guest appearances
2: without even being there. Yes. yes.
1: Yeah.
2: I, I, yeah. <laughs> um, but, anyways, so it's, and we've just kind of, Gotten to know Mario and, and mJ over over the past year or so, and it's just been it's been lovely and this is another reason why I wanted to help with this podcast is really awareness to action is mostly known for their instincts, but the tools that you all provide are well beyond just new names for instincts, and I think that people need to know about it. Um, I think it's been really helpful in my own journey of, of just figuring out what is, what is the most useful. And we've had this, this conversation before, Mario, of I think in a lot of ways you're teaching people how to cook instead of just giving them the recipe. And I think that is how we want to approach anything is how do, how do I know when a steak is done? other than setting a timer, right? What's, what's the process that's going on behind the scenes so I can better intuitively cook a steak or cauliflower, depending on what you like.
1: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. So what's interesting to me about that is that what you're appreciating here, Creek, it's very frustrating for a lot of people. Hmm. A lot of people want the recipe, and say mm-hmm. okay, step one, step two, step step three, and how do I do it? Mm-hmm. And this approach is more about how to cook. Yeah. And probably it's not for everyone because some people need the step-by-step thing. Uh, but I think that it takes you a lot further to know how to cook, and yeah. I would not change that.
2: Yeah, and I think cooking analogies will come up quite a lot in this in this podcast, but. Everyone has to start with a recipe. (laughs) Yeah, not from Mario. Um, The eating analogies. (laughs) Eating analogies. Everyone has to start with a recipe. You have to learn to, you want to experience that and you need to start there before you learn how to cook. And I think you don't need, not everyone needs to learn how to cook and I think that's okay. Yeah. But I think it's really, really, really useful if you wanna actually get somewhere interesting and creative and exhilarating, so. So for me, I'm a big fan
0: of tools that help us see ourselves more clearly and see other people more clearly. But the reason that is valuable is because it's the first step in work on ourselves, right? When when the Buddha was teaching mindfulness, he was not teaching mindfulness as the, the, the goal. He was teaching it as the foundation for doing the work, right? And uh, so for me, if we're going to spend time on these things, we want to be able to translate it into ways that help us become, th- that help us flourish, that help us live happier lives, more skillful lives, and to improve our relationships with the people around us. So for me, it's all about how do we put this to work? And usually to put something to work, number one, you have to boil it down, right? To, to use a cooking analogy, we have to boil something down to its essence, right? To its, To its core, establish some really clear first principles, and then get into the process of taking those first principles and becoming a creative chef. That's the way I think about it is, you know, you have to simplify, and then that simplification Opens up a world of variation and variability to you.
2: I love that. Uh, I think this transitions as nicely into, I'd say, the, the final section of, of this particular episode. Is what do you hope that people will walk away from after listening to an episode? What is it that they can expect in in the coming episodes?
1: There's the theory, of course. I mean, we will be talking about the Enneagram, our approach how we define the terms, how we apply the concepts that we work with. But as important as that to me is where we're coming from when we use the Enneagram. I think that the the way in which we see human nature and how we take it and use it, how we see ourselves and how we take ourselves lightly and laugh about each other and ourselves, I think that it's not just for a show or like the podcast. It's the way in which we use the Enneagram and it's part of the awareness to action approach. So if we did that lightness and compassion for ourselves and each other, if you put on top of that the theory, I think those two go together and hopefully that will come across.
0: For me, in addition
1: to those things, it is... So I've
0: been working with this for a long time. See, almost 30 years of working with the Enneagram, 25 of those making my living using the Enneagram in the work I do with leaders and people in organizations. I do this work because it benefits people. It helps them helps them be more skillful in the in the work they do but also in their lives. I'm a father of four boys. I have my own business. I have a lot on my plate, and anything that I am going to teach other people has to have some real-world benefit, right? It's not just theory. It's not just, you know, this is what I learned from somebody else. This is what I heard from somebody else. But no, it's these are the things about the Enneagram that I have taken out and driven around the block and made sure they hold up, okay? Okay. And so I want to share that with people. That really is my passion at this point in my life of sharing what I have learned through experience with other people. Because, you know, there's the old saying that, uh, you know, smart people learn by their mistakes, smarter people learn by other people's mistakes. Mm -hmm. So uh, I want to share with, you know, uh, my mistakes and how I've corrected them when it comes to theory and application of the Enneagram with other people so we can accelerate their uh, teaching. We're also going to challenge people, right? It's, it's in my nature to challenge people. That's one of the things I, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Riso and Hudson's work. And one of the things I like uh, is their label of the eight as the challenger. And I think that's really, really accurate. That's part of my nature to challenge things. And it's through that challenging that we get to truth. So uh, we are going to challenge some ideas here. We're going to challenge each other. We're going to challenge the listener, I think. And we invite that challenge back. Right, so I think people will be able to get to us through social media or something—a way to still to be determined. But uh, <laughs> uh, but we invite feedback.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that we didn't talk about when we met Creek, but but I would say that the reason one of the reasons why we liked the idea of uh, having you, Creek, in the podcast is that you also challenge us and. Mm-hmm. with what you bring, you make us think, and you have a very kind of different perspective. You are part of a different generation and you have been exposed to different things. And I think that's really necessary to Mm. continue to, not to get comfortable with kind of talking to each other and agreeing with everything (laughs) we we say, (laughs) but to get fresh, ideas and more people challenge us with a kind of sound background and ideas people Mm. that we also uh, respect. And that's the case with you. So I think that what you, what the listeners will see here with us challenging each other, it's real. It's kind of the kind of relationship we have outside Mm. of the podcast. And hopefully we will be able to replicate it here.
2: I agree. And I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to challenge as much as possible. I'm hoping to try to anticipate all the, uh, all the potential pushback from our listeners, uh, just to, cause I think I've experienced you both personally and professionally and, Y'all aren't bad people. You, you you're open minded and compassionate and kind and caring.
0: Can I can I get, a, can I get that in writing? <laughs> yes. uh, you know, a quote and maybe uh, put it in my LinkedIn profile.
2: We'll, we'll make T-shirts for the podcast <laughs> and um, so and it's but the it's the problem happens when we we divorce the humanity of the other person um, when we don't dis- when we disagree with something that they say. When we feel threatened by an idea, we feel threatened by that person. And I think I would like for this, what I hope people can expect from this podcast is for me to to push back in some areas um, as a way to gain more clarity while also hopefully we can demonstrate how to hold that tension of ideas of I feel uncomfortable about this and that's okay. Let's find let's find more clarity about this. So we can continue moving forward in agreement or disagreement and that's okay. And I think, so that's one thing that I, that I hope people can expect from this as well as just a lot of great information about how awareness to action approaches it and you don't have to agree with it. And that's great, but you can at least know where and why awareness to action does and teaches what they do. So hopefully lots of practical stuff, a lot of exploring things that I think, will be new perspectives everything from your the instinctual biases to i'm sure we'll even get into what does it mean in in awareness to action approach like what does it mean to incorporate spirituality or things that aren't quote-unquote verifiable what does that look like and how do we hold those things and i think that's going to be a really interesting conversation when we get to it so that's Y'all are in for a ride, let me tell you. Um, it's going to be great.
0: <laughs> so, 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 dear listener, uh, one of uh, my favorite quotes is um, from the philosopher David Hume, that truth springs from argument amongst friends. And argument is not necessarily a sign of hostility. It is just the debating of ideas, right? It is the exploration of ideas and other points of view. And if the Enneagram teaches us nothing else is that people see the world differently and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with bringing your own flavor to something, your own style, right? Mm -hmm. There are different styles of music. There are different styles of literature. There's different styles of everything. And we make a mistake when we start to say, well, this style is better than that style instead of just saying, I like this style. right? Mm -hmm. It works for me. It, It brings me pleasure. And that style? Yeah, maybe not so much. Right. Uh, And that's, you know, that's why God made chocolate and vanilla. So, you know, we'll share our ideas. uh, We'll challenge ideas and hopefully come closer to the truth for the effort.
2: Yeah. I think we all would like to think at least that we want to see the world clear. And that's really what the Enneagram is about, is helping us see clear. And sure, we can (laughs) distort that in so many different ways. To see the reality how we want to see it instead of how it actually is. But if you're really into the journey of what the Enneagram has to bring, then it's about seeing the world and reality as it is, as clear as possible. So I hope it's hope an invitation to enter the conversation and the journey with us.
0: I'll wrap us up real fast here. So this has been our, our first episode of the Awareness, Tax, and Enneagram podcast. Uh, we, we hope we've given folks an idea of what our starting point is. And in future episodes, we'll start talking about specific ideas. We're going to start off talking about the instinctual bias, these things that seem to precede me wherever I go, (laughs) you know, and, uh, um, you know, to to clarify our ideas about that and discuss it. And uh, it's always fun stuff to talk about. And from there, we've got a whole bunch of other stuff we're going to get into. So thank you guys for being here uh, for this episode. And I'm really looking forward to this journey with you both.
2: Thanks for listening to the Awareness to Action Enneagram Podcast. If you're interested in more information or talking to Mario, MJ, or myself, feel free to reach out to us through the links in the show notes or by emailing info at awareness to action.com. All episode transcriptions and further information can be found at awareness to slash podcast.